Conversation with H, we have another amazing guest, an accredited cognitive behavior psychotherapist, CBT. Um, she's also a mental health speaker and advocate. Not only that, she's been featured on New J UK's YouTube channel a couple of times, talking about anxiety, thoughts and beliefs, as well as race, health, and social justice. Not only that, she's been featured on podcasts. You, you, you might have seen her on you know, a few events and those types of things. She's also the creator of Twin Without Twin Instagram. It is the amazing, some of you know as Chanel underscore Rose, but her name is Chanel Dennis. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. That was such an introduction. I feel like, well, <laughs> I feel honoured. I tried to do the research. I tried to <laughs> do the research. So Definitely did your research. Thank you. So for those who don't know who you are, who is Chanel Dennis? Wow. Well, as you can see, I am a black woman. Um, but I think when people ask me who I am, they always want to know like what I do. Yeah. But that's not necessarily who I am. So like mm. I am a believer in God. Um, I am passionate about lots of different things. I'm someone who loves fun and seeking adventures and trying different things. I am compassionate. I am empathetic I like I have like a desire to kind of really try and fulfill everything that I was put on this well to do and mm. that has then come out in like some of the roles and jobs that I have so like you said I'm a, an accredited cognitive behavioral psychotherapist and I've been doing that for several years now quite a long time and um, I'm also a trainee doctor in clinical psychology so that's what I'm currently doing mainly at the moment um, but I also do other things like I'm a trustee on I sit on a board mm. um, I volunteer in the, um, the women's program at my church um, yeah I kind of have lots of different hats lots of different there. hats that's what yeah. it sounds like <laughs> sounds like you got your hands in different things lots of different hats um, yeah. that's amazing and it's good that you kind of talk about who you are away from what people first see you as which is kind of like CBT which is mental health speaker and advocate you, yeah. you talked about yeah. personality so tell me a bit about early family life and what you said you wanted to be when you grew up when you were younger mm. so I was thinking about this and I don't really know I don't there's nothing that stands out to me that I said do you know what when I grow up I want to be a psychotherapist I never yeah. I don't think I ever said that really especially when I was younger mm. I might have had those things that like I want to be a hairdresser <laughs> or um, I don't know I want to be a writer I used to love 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 reading um, okay. as a kid so like my head was always in a book especially after losing my sister so mm. I used to think that maybe that would be a career but I didn't really know how to make a career out of that like I love reading but I didn't quite want to be an editor because <laughs> I like reading but English isn't necessarily my strong point so I was like can't be that <laughs> <laughs> and um like when I was thinking about my A-levels I was still kind of split I was thinking maybe like media kind of English language world and I used mm. to like blog I tried my hand at YouTubing didn't work out for me like I tried uh. to things and then just kind of went into psychology um 
and like fell in love with that and thought, yeah, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. But what I thought I wanted to be when I was younger and what I'm doing now, I wouldn't necessarily say. They're linked. Yeah. I got you. So what is, would you say is one thing you learned through your family life that you still carry with you today and why? Well, I'm from a massive, massive family. Um, I'm one of 13. You say 13, one and three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm one in three. Um, my mom is mother to seven of those uh, those thirteen children, and I'm like number five out of okay. thirteen. Yeah. Um. So me and my sister, we were like the first girls to enter the family. So like, and we were twins. So yeah. growing up, we were very spoiled, I would say. <laughs> and family life was busy. Obviously, being one of um five when I was first born, and for a long time, it was just busy. Like um. It's very male dominated. I've got mm. lots of brothers, lots of uncles. Um, it was fun, but also challenging. Like we lived in inner city Birmingham, grew up mm. in Newtown. So yeah, it came with its challenges, but it was, you know, a good family life as well at the same time. My mum mm. and dad weren't always together for all, throughout all of that um, okay. growing up. Um, but one thing that I would say that family life has taught me is, I was thinking about loyalty. Like, I think my family, they're so loyal to each other and we kind of got each other's back through mm. anything, like, through anything. Um, so, like, like one call away kind of thing. And I think that's kind of true of, like, my immediate family and, like, my extended family as well. Mm. Um, but almost to, like, the extent where it's not good. Like, it's kind of, like, blinded loyalty sometimes. Um, but, yeah, I think that's one thing that I've definitely taken from like my childhood and something that I think I am in my, my current relationship with people whether that's family or friends or whatever I think I'm mm. quite a real loyal person and I will be there for you even when I think you, you might be wrong in that situation even when you're just like yeah. ah yeah. you gotta think about that one yeah 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 and I will call you out on it I'll call you out on it but I'm still going to be there for you at the same time mm. um so yeah I think loyalty is probably the thing that I take and that's great because considering where we're at especially in this kind of time and the social media age and all these types of things and it's good especially when you kind of like my age to have loyal friends who have been with you for a long period of time and you can just say yo I'm loyal to you listen I'll call you out and we'll have a conversation I have to tell you when you're wrong you know but don't get it twisted that's not that's not a, a question on my loyalty or anything like that which is amazing is there anything you change about you know early life if you could yeah just give me one thing oh one thing (laughs) (laughs) or try give me one thing well do you know what to be honest I don't really know if I could say like one thing that I want I would definitely change um Mm. I think um there's I think everyone really could look back and think you know if I could change this or that from my past then I would and probably Mm. the biggest thing for me is like the loss of my sister if anything but things like that are outside of my control like were outside of my control so to think about changing something that was in my control hardly like there is nothing really that Mm. I could change and I think a lot of my experiences although difficult have really shaped me into like the person that I am today so to change something would be to change me and I'm kind of happy with the way that I am 
He's yeah, just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good as, I'm good yeah. as, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think, I think it's really difficult to think about changing something. Although I could definitely probably listen to things and like, yeah, I've changed that, I've changed this, I've changed that. But um, I think those experiences kind of are really important to who you become in the mm. future at the same time. They've made you who you are today, essentially. So if you used to change that, that that might shift something. Which you, essentially, if you're happy with where you're at and happy with yourself, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really want to shift those things. I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, some things I would definitely change, like going back to what I just said about, you know, my sister, if, I, if that was something that I could have controlled or changed by your means, I would have done that. But like, there's nothing like that stands out that thinks that I think, yeah, I, I would change that. I think although family life or like growing up was sometimes difficult, it was still good. Like we still had a good family life. It's still good and um, close relationships with like my family, my siblings. So there isn't much that I'd want to change from that. And um, it's not necessarily changing my experiences, it's maybe changing the experiences of other people and other experiences that people had in my family, but not necessarily mine. Mine was, mm. mine was good. No, I definitely hear that. And I, what I want to talk about now, because you, you kind of touched on it a little bit, is is kind of twin without twin, just trying to understand. I saw you put a post, I think it was about three weeks ago, which kind of said 21 years. What pushed you to start that page I'm guessing it was the the loss of your sister but how did that kind of come about um yeah like definitely the loss of my sister so I am or was an identical twin um and my sister died when um we were nine years old and I didn't start that page straight away of course because social media weren't even around yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. um but I think I started actually a Facebook page first and then I, I created an Instagram page later and really I wanted to kind of create it because I think losing a twin is different from losing um, a sibling. Mm. And I say that even though I've never had the experience of losing a sibling, I've only ever had the experience of losing a twin. So I don't necessarily know that it is different, but I feel that it is different from what I've read, from what I've seen, from how I felt. I feel like it is different from losing a sibling, especially when you're like identical because like you're literally one, you would one embryo, one egg kind of thing, mm. and you split into two people. Mm. So all I've ever known growing and developing is somebody else. Like I've never been a single person. Mm. So when you lose someone, especially when you, you, you had like nine years of life together, that is literally your mirror image. That's really difficult. And mm. I think it's different from losing a sibling. So I wanted to just kind of create a page that was, specifically for other twinless twins who have also experienced that loss and like a page for us to kind of connect, a page for us to share. And um, what I was doing, which I've kind of dropped off of doing and I would like to start off again, is like sharing other people's twinless twin experiences. So mm. um, they would like share a story about their twin and what they meant to them kind of thing. And it's just a nice way to connect really. It's like a support network. Um, yeah. Because there is more twinless twins out there than you would think. Um, so it's just about connecting. Um, and there's definitely, it's big in America, actually. They've got quite a good um, twinless twin support network. Um, yeah. Not so much in the UK, but I guess that was kind of my goal with starting it, thinking let's, let's get something started here in the UK. Mm. So I'm guessing with doing that and kind of starting a page of of such where, you, where it's not especially as big in, in the country that you reside in, it's you kind of not starting from scratch, but you kind of in the the building phase of trying to get that more kind of um, what's the word more awareness and those types of things, especially in the UK. I'm guessing. Yeah, definitely in the building stage, and I feel like it kind of differs in importance to me. Like I think when I first started, I was like, yeah, I really want to run with this and 
kind of get it done but then kind of life happens and I would mm. more important so I don't really think I've been able to give it the time and a dedication that I would like or like what I even ideally uh, originally planned for but it is something that I definitely want to do and in the future would like to grow a little bit more but I just think with my current plate everything that's on my plate it's something that isn't as important although it's still something that I post on every so often and um, share uh, a few things every so often so that it's not kind of just forgotten about no I definitely hear that one of the things that I wanted to ask as well is what effect did losing your twin have on you growing up I think it was really hard I think losing a twin it's kind of like going back to what I mentioned earlier it's like losing yourself mm. and um I think having a twin it's like an instant friend like you've always got someone there um so like and we did like everything together like our mom just my mom just just like 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 we always were in the same clothes and everything so we were literally like the twins yeah, yeah. And then like even at school we were in the same classes we had the same friends and I know like even when we moved areas and we moved schools the school policy was normally to like separate twins like to put them in separate places oh, so that wow. they could like grow into themselves kind of yeah, thing yeah, yeah. but when we started we were like yeah so we were put into the same class although there was like another pair of twins who were in separate classes and like that was just like the norm and I think the norm for a lot of schools they try to do that actually yeah. Um, so yeah we were just like always together we were always quite close um like an instant friend someone that's already always there um mm. so to lose that person and how sudden as it was quite suddenly it was really 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 tough but what I think made it harder was that I didn't feel I didn't really like understand what was like going on for me God, I don't yeah. feel like like mental health or like grief or like depression or anything like that was something that we really talked about in the black community especially back in mm. like early thousands way early thousands so I just feel like it was something that was kind of like struggled through kind of thing um mm. like going back to school was really really hard I was off school for months and then when I did go back to school I couldn't necessarily always um like finish the school day like sometimes my mom or my dad would have to pick me up during yeah. the school because I was too upset to stay for the day so wow. it was hard man but then I think as the years went by I kind of grew into being me Chanel by herself and I think like secondary school and like college and all of that that was fine and that was better but like finishing up primary school um was quite tough man it was hard but I think it also shaped me now and why I'm so interested in like psychology in this field as well like my experiences I definitely want to like support people who have been through difficult times like that like it's hard and I think the more that you can talk about it and have therapeutic support is um the better so it's definitely something that's quite important and quite I'm quite passionate about and going off the back of that what kind of advice and encouragement would you give to someone who essentially may not be in a similar boat of losing a twin but may have lost a sibling or someone quite close what kind of advice would you give to them I think losing having a bereavement losing a loved one is hard whether that's a sibling a parent and you know a partner it's always 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 going to be hard and I think um just allow yourself to experience your emotions mm. I think sometimes, especially as a society, we kind of have this idea that we just need to kind of get on and move on and be strong and, you know, carry on living. But you're allowed to feel your emotions. You're allowed to feel 
upset, you're allowed to feel sad, you're allowed to feel angry, you're allowed to feel shocked, whatever that emotion might be. And trying to act like you're not experiencing them is just kind of going to prolong the healing stage mm. kind of um, things. So I would say anyone who's experiencing grief right now, I would say feel your emotions, you're allowed to feel them, there's nothing wrong with them. Um, and think about things that are going to be helpful for you and that may be different for different people some people may really value talking to a friend or talking to a loved one about how they're feeling or the loss of that person that they've experienced but some people might not want to talk to anyone at all mm. and that's also okay as well and mm. um, I would say try to process your feelings in some way so if you're not talking to someone about it maybe write about it if you're artistic you could use your art to kind of go through it whatever your kind of interest is whatever you find helpful just find that method or that way of um processing your feelings but feel them feel your feelings um, because there's nothing wrong with them and if you feel like you're struggling after some time has passed and you kind of feel stuck because like Mm. grief is like a cycle almost we go through different Um, if you're feeling like stuck in a cycle or stuck in a stage and you feel like, you know what, I'd really like to move past this stage now. I don't want to forget about this person, but I want to move past this stage. Consider therapy, consider getting support, consider talking to someone. In um, Birmingham, the most recognised and used service is Cruise. So Cruise mm-hmm. is a really good um, bereavement service. But there's also other therapists and counsellors like myself who support and work and stuff like that as well. So speak to your GP if you're really struggling. Um, but yeah, feel your feelings and process your feelings. You know what? That's amazing advice because especially within our kind of community, I think it's becoming a bit more prevalent now. But one of the things we do suffer with is just kind of getting on. So someone mm-hmm. might pass and it's just like, OK, I've got to go work the next day or let me try and do as much as I can to move to, to to run away from the feelings in, in a certain kind of aspect and because we're taught especially as black people to work 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 yeah we throw ourselves into that because we feel like that's going to take the pain or the feelings that we've got away so it's great that you've given that advice in terms of feeling your feelings just to kind of add to that as well for like because in our culture well especially in Caribbean culture we have this thing called nine nights yeah so like after we lose a loved one like people come around friends and family come around and like you're kind of there every day yeah nine nights maybe but sometimes it's longer than that in, in my head Lisa went after we lost our sister my, people were around for weeks it was like a very long time but I think even that it's like a it's like an avoidance almost because you're so busy with friends and family being around and that may feel like a good time like I can remember it was so strange for me because all my cousins were around, that like we were having fun, it was a good time. Like, like I say, it's Christmas or something. It yeah, it, and yeah, it, yeah. then suddenly, like, the funeral happens and then people start coming around and then I think that's when you're really left with, like, your emotion or, like, the, the weight of actually, okay, this person is gone now. Mm. Um, so I think, um, yeah, definitely going back to feeling your feelings and processing your feelings, even during those nine nights, or don't feel pressure to even have those like if you don't want to you don't have to I think in our culture it's just like okay we're coming around and then expect you to serve food and yeah you know, and you, you gotta play host you gotta make sure you got yeah. drink you got slur yeah. in, in the back and if you ain't got like, the slur you gotta make sure you got something exactly. something stronger for the for the for the other people who want to come yeah. to the house yeah it, 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 it's it's as I said it's a it's a it's a it feels like a part of avoidance um mm. rushing into work hosting these nine nights kind of just trying to keep ourselves busy from actually being in that that state and that state of feeling the grief essentially and then what happens as you said you have yeah. the fu- you have the funeral 
and then people just drop off not out of no kind of thing of their own it's just a case of that's just naturally how it goes a funeral Mm -hmm. happens and people just deal with it how they deal with it and we wow you can speak to more to this because you're the professional um it feels like we need to kind of have more of not of a plan i'm searching for the right right words it's not a plan but in terms of like making sure we manage through that time properly into Mm. instead of just going from we're up here with host 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 funeral get stuff done by the casket make sure we've got the grave to then go into i carry my loan by myself now i have to deal with these feelings i don't feel like i can talk to anyone or x y and z that's that kind of feels like that's the transition for a lot of us yeah I would definitely say as well for like um like the friends and family of that person who is experiencing experience of bereavement um just to be mindful that actually that's probably when like it really kicks in so like mm. after the person who ha- they've lost has been buried maybe that's when you really want to be checking in a little bit more and like seeing how that person is and doing more things for that person even if it is like I know bringing a meal or making sure that person's like got up and showered that day um really that's when you think you want to be like more of a support to that person because that's when it does suddenly just drop off and like you said it's not free because any malicious intent or anything it's just mm. like that's the natural process of what happens um so yeah for the friends and family of the person who's experienced bereavement maybe think about being more of a support then and I think for the person who has actually experienced the bereavement um also just be mindful that that could be a really difficult time as well but like I said it's it's okay as well it's okay if that's the time when you are sad and it's really more difficult because that's the nature of grief it is tough and it you will experience those emotions and it's not necessarily something that we can escape from or something mm-hmm. that we should try and escape from um just feel them and feel your feelings definitely so what starts you on this kind of studying mental health what starts you on this journey it was partly the loss of my sister like that was like a really difficult and traumatic time and I think uh, it definitely ignited a passion for me yeah. to like work with people who experience similar loss and similar pain and difficulties but I think it's also just like a lot of things like you know you're just growing up and you just think that's weird that's strange like like why are we like just seeing I think it's kind of part of like my personality as well I'm being quite curious and interested like like why are you doing that like I'm just curious as to why people respond in certain ways or certain behaviors or even Mm. certain family dynamics and things that we just kind of sometimes um accept as normal or like we brush underneath the carpet we mm-hmm. don't really address like sometimes we say like very casually oh you'll have that crazy uncle you'll yep. have that crazy aunt I'm like what don't we want to like support that person should that person yep. maybe accessing services or mm. you know and it's like it's just like I think just like in our culture and I say culture in Caribbean culture um it's not really something that men- mental health or mental wellness wasn't really something that was spoke about a whole lot and mm. I think it was really interesting for me because it's something that we should be speaking about because it's something that people are experiencing and mm. um, so yeah that was also part of it as well wanting to kind of really help people who um didn't have like a an outlet people who didn't feel like we could talk maybe because of cultural norms and I also say that from a um Christian perspective as well because yeah. I feel like in the church we don't necessarily well I think now in the 21st century 2021 2020 we'll be much better in the church to talk about mental health and mental illness but 
I don't think traditionally it was something that was really dealt with or managed very well. So I think all of that, all of my experiences made me think, yeah, this is this is something that I want to do. This is something that I want to pursue mm. um, so that I can help people in, in need and from those communities as well. And that's, as, that's a, a good transition into terms of, you talked about kind of Caribbean culture, talked about kind of church culture. Now add those two things together and you've got Caribbean church culture. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, so many things, especially when you're younger, when you've grown up or you've been young in church, you see so many things where you're just like, that doesn't seem right or that person's not okay. But obviously when you're young, you kind of just like, oh, someone's telling me that it's this or they're just like, oh, that's that person. You just leave them in the corner to do what they're mm-hmm. doing and let the, let the stewards manage or whatever it is. And yeah. there was no kind of, not that there was no, but there was limited in terms of resource and kind of understanding of what that person's actually gone through or going through at the time. Well, we kind of spoke about it a little bit, but why do you think we kind of, from a Caribbean Christian cult, church culture perspective, we kind of lack that kind of understanding? Mm, I don't know. I feel like it's, I feel like there's a variety of things, but I think it's always been like God, God is our strength. God is our source. God is able to do everything. And I absolutely you know, wholeheartedly believe that. But I also think that God uses things to things or people to help us in areas that we need the support in. Mm. And I think um traditionally it's always been like, okay, let's pray about it, let's get deliverance, let's do XYZ. Think, you know, relying on God, but not also thinking about, okay, what maybe, what tools or what resources may can I use with God? And I think about it, I always like used to like physical health and I, when they're physically unwell mm. um, and maybe we need to go and get some surgery, like we don't just pray about it. We also get the surgery. So we're praying for the surgery to go well, but we're also going to allow the surgeon to do his job and operate on whatever he's operating. And I think that's the same. It should be the same with mental health, but it hasn't necessarily been the same. Yeah. With mental health, it's been like, okay, this person is, I don't know, depressed. Let's pray for them. And that's great. And please do continue to pray for them. But maybe they also need to speak to someone as well and maybe that's going to help as well um so I just think it's maybe just the way that we've viewed um I don't know views like mental health itself and like um I think teaching's always been like God can do everything and is a miracle worker and he is I still like he is but I just feel like like I said he can use other sources to help him perform that miracle in someone's life and I think, what, I think what's key, what you said is, it's great that we have the faith, mm-hmm. but there's works that need to go alongside that. It says it in the Bible, faith, faith without works is dead. Yes, yeah. um, and with us, sometimes you'll hear someone testify and say, talk about this, this and that. And you're just like, you know what, what could easily help you out is this plus prayer. But mm-hmm. we, we sometimes we could, we've we've been for years kind of focuses on the prayer. If if we don't pray and the prayer don't work, nothing else is gonna nothing else is gonna fix it. Um, well, you need to pray harder. You need to fast. You need to do more. Like. Fast. You ain't been fasting. How long would you fast in four days? Try seven. Because yeah. <laughs> something something there's some some misconnection and some and that's what some people's Christianities can can take a hard hit up because they feel like if I'm not praying enough, if I'm not praying hard mm. enough, if I'm not doing enough, whereas there's some physical things that we should be doing that they feel like, Oh, maybe I'm not enough of a Christian. And as you're saying, it's, it's not, 
the prayer is great and that's essentially where we should start but the works have to come with that as well and I think like when when we lost um, my sister I think being from like a Christian background I say Christian background my mom's Christian my dad's actually a raster hmm. um <laughs> being from a Christian background like it was like um God 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 and it's a part of a powerful part of my mom's testimony um that you know, she never needed to go into antidepressants or she never needed to seek counselling or therapy because God was a healer and God was a source. And that's amazing, but I don't think it's necessarily the same for everyone. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes we make it sound like we shouldn't have to access those things, but mm. um, God can get you through difficult times with the source of, I don't know, medication as well sometimes if you need it or, or with therapy. Um, but I think that's been a big part of people's testimony. It was God that saw me through this. Um, but like you said, you, you might have had an easier journey if you also sought this as well. But, yeah. you know, um, God is able to. Definitely. What's been your biggest surprise in terms of doing st- your kind of studying and working within mental health? What was the biggest surprise to you? I think maybe there's been lots of surprises. One, just like knowing the um, statistics, like mm. one in four person, one in every four person will experience like some sort of mental illness during common mental illness during their lifetime. Mm. And I think just knowing that how common that is, like if you think about one, every fourth person. One sees, in four. Every fourth person that you see would experience some sort of common mental health problems. So that may just be anxiety, maybe depression. It could be something um, more severe. Um, mm. So I think knowing like how common mental illnesses can be sometimes, what how taboo the subject is at the same time. So I think like the contrast between that is just crazy. Um, also, I think just finding out more about the experiences of Black people in mental health services and the institutionalization of them sometimes like black men have been more likely to be sectioned of a um compared to our white counterparts so i think just finding out about the statistics and the treatment of black people historically in mental health services mm. um and also just the statistics of how common mental illnesses actually is in culture or in life what how to be the subject can sometimes still feel at the same time you know what, when, as I listen to you speak, especially when you're kind of talking about your experiences and about mental health, in my head, I'm just like, how do you, like, manage? Because it's all these different, like, mental health disorders. Obviously, you specialise in um, or have a, a, a extreme expertise in anxiety, but how do you kind of manage all these things, like these kind of situations and 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 issues and problems that other people have in your daily life? Like, how do you manage I would say that's probably like split into three different things. Okay. Um, faith. Yeah. So like my own relationship with God, I think is something that is really key to me being able to do this work quite, I say, well. Um, mm. And also because like, I think I said earlier that I'm really passionate about like really fulfilling like my purpose. And I really do feel like it's part of like my purpose to really like support people in experiencing mental illnesses and just to be like that person that people can talk to Mm. and so I feel like because I'm doing what I'm meant to do like I'm able to do it with maybe a sense of resilience that would be different if I wasn't maybe in my calling if that makes sense so I think my faith um is a big part of that and um secondly I would say like professional kind of support like supervision is a major thing that we have to do and something that we have to maintain to like 
maintain accreditation is just important for our client work and for ourselves. Mm. Um, so at the moment, actually, as a trainee clinical psychologist, I have weekly supervision for like an hour and a half. So every week I'm talking to a more senior staff member about my clients, about me, you know, just kind of having that time to talk. It's not very good, but it is like, uh, it's our time to like be supervised and learn um, yeah. and kind of decompress almost. Um, mm. That stuff that's quite difficult. Um, and then like just having like extra training sessions and learning about certain topics, which you may be finding difficult as well is another part that I think really helps to manage mm. um, stuff like that. And then personally, I would say that therapy, I'm, I advocate for therapy and I also have therapy myself. Mm. Um, so that's a big part that's helpful, but also like self-care. I'm always, always, always talking about self-care on Instagram if you follow me. So <laughs> just taking time for like, self-care like doing things that are important to me and that make me feel good make me feel happy um it's so important and sometimes that is just like a hot bubble bath uh sometimes that is a face mask mm. sometimes that is you know talking to um someone who I love and I trust sometimes that's just going out and having fun like having a life outside of kind of mental health and mental illnesses is mm. a major part and for me I'm quite disciplined and I've said this before like once well I say once five o'clock rolls around for my job my, my nine to five <laughs> done. I'm done like I'm yeah done x like I'm not really wanting to work late or to do extra outside of my nine to kind of traditional nine to five hours and mm. um, of course sometimes the circumstances where I can't avoid it and I have to and that's fine and that's okay but where I can I'm very disciplined with like my time that I, I dedicate to this and having time that is not related to work as well but I say where I can because I also do private work after nine to five so sometimes like my evenings and my weekends might be doing uh, mental health work kind of stuff but just be disciplined having a life outside of mental health and mental illnesses is a major part um for me so I think that's also what helps me to to do this work and to stay well whilst doing this work as well mm. so what does kind of when you look back on your life and you say I'm glad I achieved that within the mental health sector sector what does that look like what's your overall goal essentially um my overall goal I guess would be accomplished in a couple of years maybe and that's to get the doctor title Dr. <laughs> So once I think once I've done that, that's like the highest level of studying that I need to do. I mean, mm. I could get other doctorates if I want to, but I'm mm. trying to do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not trying to do all of that. I've been to this is my fourth time at university now. So I am fourth. Once this is done, I am done. And um, so I think that would be probably like the biggest accomplishment once I've done that. Um, but I think I'm quite proud of where I am already, mm. like being an accredited psychotherapist being able to have like private practice as well as work for now it's NHS but previously it's been like different um organizations like universities and stuff like that mm -hmm. um and being someone who is actually called upon to talk about mental health like you said I've you know I've spoken at um, EJUK a few times and different organizations so actually being a person that people think yeah I want to get Chanel in to talk about mental health or to kind of share with us about how we can manage our mental well-being. I think that's one of my biggest accomplishments. That's that's what I want to do. That's what I'm passionate about. So the fact that I can do it is amazing. 
And you know what it is? I've I've watched more than enough videos, <laughs> interviews that you've done, and I'm just like, you know what you're talking about. And sometimes, not in regards to your sector, but sometimes people may have a title or may have a um what they've studied, but it don't when you watch them speak about it, it doesn't come across that they fully understand or fully know what they're speaking about. Yeah. But when I watch you in particular, you just, I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm learning. I feel like I'm Thank learning if I'm, be, if I'm being honest. That's the goal. Yeah. So do you see yourself in the future kind of doing kind of teachings on, not teachings, more so because we talked about kind of Caribbean church culture. Do you see yourself kind of going into churches and talking about mental health and, and those types of things and teaching on mental health or is that not something that you kind of see for yourself at the moment? I do. I do think it is going to be a massive part of what I do in the future. Um, I think recently I've been like really thinking about what I'm passionate about and who I'm passionate about. Mm. And I think I'm really passionate about people. Um, I say I say for the people and I keep doing this and I don't just mean that. For the people? <laughs> <laughs> I don't just mean like... Um, just black, black people, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But although you know I'm a black person I'm very passionate about black mental health but I just mean for like people like I came from an inner city community like those underprivileged people those people who come from working class backgrounds those people who are sometimes ignored and you know you know not seen as a part of society or health or, or um, contribution member contributing member to society mm. I'm really like passionate about supporting those and as a, as a Christian my faith comes into that a lot so I also want to be raising awareness about the importance of and uh, talking about mental health and addressing mental, mental illnesses in the church and really trying to change our views on that and mm. um, educating a lot of people uh, about that as well so I definitely see it as part of my future I feel like it's something that I'm slowly getting more and more involved in so I think it will be a big part in my future as I, as I progress and develop mm. um, so yeah I can only see it getting bigger from now so can I and that's why I'm, I'm looking <laughs> forward to kind of where your journey that you've done so incredibly so far but where it's going to continue to take you from here which is just going to be it's going to be amazing to look from the outside and see what you do essentially one of the things I want to kind of ask you though is in your life, has there ever been a time where you've kind of felt quite overwhelmed? Maybe not from like a career perspective, but just in general, have you felt overwhelmed and kind of how did you kind of get over that and what did you do to kind of get to that space? Well, I would say, I think the easy answer to that would be like when I lost my sister. But mm. I think how I got over that isn't necessarily a way, a method that is like teachable. Like it wasn't necessarily, and, and I say that because I, like I didn't have like any counseling or anything it was just like a process and something that I just got through over a period of time there wasn't yeah. anything I um did to kind of help me to get through that stage um so outside of that I think you know we've had in our family there's been like further losses like last year we lost my granddad like I've lost like aunties and because it's like there's been a lot of loss I won't say a lot but there's been a fair bit of loss in my life so I think during those times that's always um really difficult mm. but it kind of what helps me to get through that is what I was talking about earlier in terms of like self-care and really being um attuned to myself kind of thing so like I know when I'm getting stressed 
I kind of like I feel like I'm I'm aware of like when I'm more stressed yeah or I'm I'm aware of when like my mood might be dipping I know what I'm like when I'm good and things are going well for me and I know what when things aren't necessarily going so well for me and I think what helps me to do that is journaling I journal a lot so I can like see how you know what I'm writing about and how I'm writing it if that changes and I'm like oh Shan you know I need to do something there so I think um kind of having a a good sense of awareness really helps Mm. me to get through difficult times and there has been difficult times I think life can be difficult for everyone and everyone's difficulty may be different like what I may struggle with might be completely different to someone else's I think something that we've all struggled with right now is this whole pandemic and this whole lockdown I think this second well this third lockdown has been more difficult than it was the first lockdown for me anyway so um that's been quite difficult and I think for me I've definitely had to make sure I had a good routine and a good Mm. structure because before I was like motivated, it was sunny, it was hot, I was in my garden, I was going for walks, I was doing all of those things that we could do. But now you get off, it's dark, it's cold, it's raining, there's been lots of snow recently, and it's easy. Um, so I think having a structure and thinking, you know what, get up, get showered, get dressed, have like some routine to your day, exercise, eat well, do all of those things, shampoo, it's going to help you to get through this difficult pandemic um so yeah I think knowing yourself so having self-awareness mm. and then kind of recognizing when things are changing for yourself um helps me as well and then doing something about it so sometimes that much might be a day watching Netflix in my bed mm. and that that might just be what I need uh, sometimes it might just be a three-hour conversation on the phone with my cousin or something like that so yeah it just depends what what is needed at that point you talked about it a little bit but what advice would you give to people who are kind of experiencing lockdown and a bit anxious especially kind of going into this new normal like not just based on lockdown but like what what the world outside looks like for them what kind of advice would you give to them Mm. I think it's really tough it is really 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 hard right now and I think the first thing that I'd want to say is just normalizing how you feel mm. um I don't think I think anyone who says oh I've been fine and lockdown hasn't affected me maybe telling a few white lies <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I don't think anyone can say they've been completely fine during this time because it has been tough yeah even if it's just like um the changes in routine or the fact that you're working from home a lot or even for the people who still have to go out every day, maybe they're worried about, you know, actually um, contracting um, COVID. There's different worries, different uncertainties that people are experiencing. So I think normalising how you're feeling. If you're feeling a bit stressed or anxious or overwhelmed or down about this pandemic, that's normal. Like you're you're experiencing normal human emotions right now. So that's Mm. okay. Um, But I think find out what is going to be helpful for you and what you need and mm. um, like for me um having a good structure and routine to the week is good and trying to do that anyway so I always say follow the plan and not your mood mm. because sometimes our mood will say I can't be bothered I want to stay in bed forget everything Facts. I'm not going to do anything today and mm. listen to our mood all of the time like how many times would be like just put stuff off or not get stuff done or like get into situations which aren't necessarily helpful for us if you listen to our feelings all the time mm. so I always say follow the plan um create a plan for like your day or your week and have things to kind of break up your week as well like yeah. especially if you're working from home a lot like in your nine to five 
downstairs in the dining room which is like where I am right now have something that's going to be different like that breaks up that routine if that's going out and going for a walk or um doing an exercise class or I don't know just having games night with friends just doing something that kind of changes your routine so it doesn't feel like it's more of the same every single day which it does feel a lot like that at the moment Mm. having some changes to your routine and then talking there's so much support out there right now um, for people who need it. And that's through the NHS if you need to. You can just call your GP. You can call the, um, the local um, IAP services, which okay. is access to psychological therapy services. Um, and you can actually talk to someone. We can get psychological support right now. If you don't want to do it for the NHS, there's lots of people you can contact privately um, to a- access therapy support as well. So don't underestimate the power of talking um, or just accessing support if you need it and, and don't be afraid to do so because the government have actually put in a fair bit of funding into like mental health services at the moment because of this so um, the support out there get it um, and use it if you need it that's great that's great I'm not even going to add nothing on top of that my last question to you is <laughs> what advice would you give to yourself with where you're at in life now Keep going, keep going. I think I'm human. I have normal emotions. Sometimes I'm not motivated. Sometimes mm. I am just tired. Sometimes I just think, oh, it's too hard. So I would say keep going and um, keep going because the rewards are always, I never regret doing something, but I do regret when I don't do something. So mm. um, keep going even when you feel like it's too hard because the benefits are going to be worth it it's going to be worthwhile and take care of yourself so keep going but take care of yourself while you do that so I don't want to burn out or do too much or take on too much so whilst I am keeping going I am also being mindful of actually I'll keep going but I'm just going to take a break right here and then I'll keep going take another break and then I'll keep going but yeah that's great keep going yeah remember that Chanel Dennis thank you very much for your time thank you very much for all the advice that you've given and thank you guys who have been watching for tuning in this has been conversation with h with the superb the amazing soon-to-be doctor chanel dennis <laughs> thank you for having me catch you guys very soon <laughs> <laughs>